Ave and welcome to Emperors of Rome, a podcast looking at the rulers of the ancient Roman Empire. I'm your host, Matt Smith. With me, as always, is Dr. Rhiannon Evans, a lecturer in ancient Mediterranean studies at La Trobe University. And now, for something completely different questions from you, answered by us. Hello, Rhiannon. Hi, Matt. So, we're going to do a quick QA podcast today. Yes, this is all a bit close, up close and personal, Yeah, which makes yeah. me nervous. Quotation fingers around the quick, most likely. So we put a call out on the podcast and on Facebook as well, asking for questions from our listeners, and some of you replied. So thank you very much. And our first question today is from Morgan Bergstrom in Juneau, Alaska. And I looked it up. Juneau. 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 There you go. Like the goddess. <laughs> like the goddess. I looked it up. It's like a little sliver of land... Just a little bit of the coast that is right next to Canada. So it's like Alaska's gone, I want that bit extra of the coast. <laughs> so anyway, Morgan asks uh, where we're from. I haven't figured out yet if you are Australian or English. And I can see why people might have a bit of a, a question mark over that because we've both got different accents, but we're from we're living in Melbourne, Australia. I'm from the northern New South Wales part of Australia but now live in Melbourne. And Rhiannon? I'm definitely not English, but I'm not Australian either. I'm from Wales and I have travelled around a bit, so my accent's a bit confused. I've lived in the US and I've lived in Australia for 15 years. You don't want to rant about not being English? (laughs) (laughs) Asking someone who's Welsh if they're English is is a huge insult, I'm afraid. Um, But I have to admit, I haven't got a Welsh accent anymore, so it's understandable. The next question comes from Callista Johnson in Seattle, Washington. How did Dr. Evans first become interested in classical studies? Well, I think it was through studying the classical languages, Latin and ancient Greek, which is a way that a lot of people get into classics because I loved studying languages and Latin and ancient Greek are particularly intricate and interesting. They're like solving puzzles. Also, you don't have to really contend with the spoken element of it, which helps if you're a very shy schoolgirl. And I I did also study French and German, however, I was just interested in languages. But when I got to university, I pursued classics because I was also really interested in Rome. Rome was my first love and it meant you got to go to Italy and hang out in Rome and it was work. So (laughs) that's an added benefit. Um, But mostly I've become more and more fascinated with the Romans and their literature and that has extended out into their history and their culture generally. Okay, so thanks, Callista Johnson, for that question from Seattle, Washington. Uh, Shout out to Seattle. Next question is from Glasgow in Scotland. It comes from Brian Christie. If you could go back in time and bring back one piece of literature that's missing from antiquity, what would it be? Well, this is interesting, and I've been thinking about this for many, many years, actually. When I did my master's, I wrote a thesis on the poet Ovid, who I can't remember if we mentioned him in the Augustus podcast, but Augustus exiled him. It was part of a kind of literary censorship. We don't know exactly why he was exiled. Now, unlike a lot of ancient writers, we do actually have most of Ovid's output. We have an awful lot of it. But we've we've got an epic poem, we've got lots of uh, elegiac love poetry, but he also wrote a play, and the play was the Medea, the story of the woman who kills her children. And I would love to know what he did with that because he's such a playful poet, but that's a really serious topic. 
So I think if we could get back Ovid's Medea, that would be fantastic. But if I'm allowed to have two options here... I, and I, I think I know your second one because that's probably also mine, which is the lost episodes of Doctor Who, especially from the <laughs> William Hartnell era. <laughs> Well, we do have the Doctor Who episode, which is the Romans, the one where he meets Nero and accidentally starts off the Great Fire of Rome. Yeah, I knew it was his fault. But that wasn't what I was going to say. You were going to say Tacitus, weren't you? I was, because it relates to what we've been talking about in the podcast, which is the lives of the Julio-Claudian emperors. And as we've discussed, we've lost a lot lot of the Claudius Caligula. Caligula Yeah, yeah. That would be be great to get. Mm. Um, So uh, thank you, Brian Christie from Glasgow, for that question. Next question comes from Germany. Claudio Gandara in Germany would like to know what historical figure of that period, and I assume he's maybe referring to the Julio-Claudians, is most fascinating to you personally and why? Well, this is quite hard, isn't it? Because there's so many great characters from that. So I think I would have to say Livia, who we, we have talked about, because she... Well, I won't talk too long because we've done a whole podcast, but she negotiates an era where it's it's not easy to be a woman and also everything's in flux. There's huge political change going on and she does that very, very successfully. But I think that I'm going to answer Seneca because oh, Seneca. Seneca is he's a writer and I'm interested in literature. He's a philosopher. He wrote tragedy. He's Nero's tutor. He's got access to the the realms of power but also as part of his stoic philosophy he believes that you should you should be able to be very self-contained so in his letters he tells us he does this fascinating thing where for a few days a year he just sort of hid out in some kind of hovel with just a, a slave or two and this was to show he could cope with no money even though he was the richest man in the roman world and which I think is just he's delusional because, of course, he knows he can go back to his luxurious lifestyle. But I do think that's fascinating that he was trying to do that uh, back at a time of such social inequality that he was trying to imagine what it would be like to have what he regarded as almost nothing. Mm. Still had a couple of slaves, so it wasn't really almost <laughs> wasn't nothing. Wasn't slumming it. And then, of course, he has such a tragic end that he's caught up in that conspiracy and forced by Nero to kill himself, which, according to Tacitus, he does in a very dramatic way. So, you know, what an amazingly interesting life and what a a really ambiguous character. So wealthy, uh, such high ethical standards, manages to tutor someone who turns out to be cruel and a very bad emperor, a very bad ruler. And, you know, Seneca's written works about what it is to be a good ruler, a good king. I feel like I should throw back some of these questions at you. Oh, well, you, you want to know who my... Yeah. Uh, is he contemporary at that point, if I say Pliny the Elder? Pliny the Elder's a little bit later. But he was alive during the... No, he was right. Yeah, actually, he has quite a long life. I shouldn't say that. I he, think of he him was, was Flavian, he, but he died in 79 and he was quite old. And he was saying I was around during the point of, of Claudius, uh, he, report, he reported. <laughs> he wrote about some of the yeah. events that happened during there yeah. as a contemporary. Um, and I just love his death scene. Um, running to Pompeii to to help out with a pillow strapped to his head to stop anything from falling on him, never to be heard from again. And also, you know, wrote a voluminous amount of which we have much, the 37 books of his natural history. And there are some lovely crackpot ideas in there. I really like Pliny. Yeah, well, he turns up in QI a lot, and there's a reason for that. (laughs) Because it is, you know, he gives us a lot of reports of ancient science and obviously natural history, 
but it's and I've been as guilty of this as anybody. It's very easy to tell his narratives as a joke because they are so bizarre to us anyway. Thanks to Claudio from Germany for that question. Next question comes from Anne Roberts Selbert in Phoenix, Arizona. If you found yourself living in ancient times, what period and where would you like to live in? What vocation would you want? Does it coincide with your favorite brackets, most beloved ruler? Oh, wow. Is any of them really worth loving? Mm. Uh, they're interesting as characters, but I, I think from our point of view, it would be really difficult to live in ancient Rome. It would be, if, for all kinds of reasons, it would be extraordinarily smelly. I think mm. that's the first thing that strikes me. It would, it would seem very cruel. Of course, it would seem extraordinarily chauvinistic and sexist, which you could say for most eras. That's the thing. We, we, think it's, we think it's all going to be togas and speeches, don't we? Um, but it's going to be a pretty crappy life. I would probably be a slave, let's be honest. Well, you wouldn't want to be. What you I mean is... I wouldn't want to be, but, you know, there's no podcasters back then. There's no audio <laughs> editing, um, you know. But there, there are ex-slaves. There are freedmen who get to be things like secretaries to the emperor. That just gives me something to aspire to. It does. But, you know, being freedmen to the emperor is can also be quite a dangerous place to be because being anything around the emperor is potentially... You're just one step away from somebody manipulating your name into a conspiracy and you're on the death list. So would you be a scholar? They still had scholars back then. They did, and and some of them were women. This is little known, but there were there were also female orators. We don't know very much about them. We basically have lists of names. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, you'd want. I think you'd want to be wealthy, because life was really tough if you weren't. Certainly, if you were a slave, then you you're open to all kinds of abuse you would be married off for your title rhiannon <laughs> <laughs> i guess that's true yeah as a, as a woman you probably would be i find that a really hard question to answer and i suspect because we don't know as much about them as we'd like to it seems quite attractive to me to be something like this is going to surprise you to be something like a small business owner because we know women did that. Uh, we know that, for example, there's this kind of standout one. There was a woman called Eumachia who lived in Pompeii. There's a statue of her, and she she built a building for one of the guilds. So there's an inscription up kind of thanking her for that. And, you know, she probably had a fairly autonomous life, as far as we know, because she would have had control of money. She wasn't high up enough to be subject to conspiracies, the, the, the kind of uh, soap opera stuff we've been talking about in the podcasts. But she, she would have had, uh, a, I think, a life where she could have been in control of what happened to her. But, of course, we don't know anything about her really except that statue and the inscription. So our information base is fairly low. It looks to me like she would have had a life that, was fairly attractive to me. She had plenty of money, uh, but she also was in a position where she didn't have to answer to somebody else. So for the time, that would be good. Yes, I think so. All right. Thanks, Anne Robert Selbert from Phoenix, Arizona, for that question. Shout out to Phoenix, Arizona. Next question comes from Fiona Nyes from Places Unknown. <laughs> and this is a, a, a common question, which I suppose we should address now. Why are your podcasts so short and infrequent? Is Rhiannon super busy or something? And in capital letters, I need more. I, I suppose I should um, field this question because 
we record a bit in advance, and um, as it stands, I think there's four episodes of Emperors of Rome in the can waiting for me to get to. Um, why are our podcasts so short and infrequent? Well, the podcasts are short, if you define them as short, because I edit them quite well. We record for maybe 25 minutes per episode, and I cut out the blather. And there are quite a lot of, you know, mistakes in conversation and just back and forths. And I cut this out because I like tightly edited podcasts. So I never cut them shorter than they need to be. And if they need to be long, I keep them quite longer. So the most recent episode on Agrippina the Younger went for about 23 and a half minutes. Um, I, I let them go for as long as the topics need to go. As for why they're infrequent... Well, I, I imagine that comment's coming from a place of love. They are generally released about once a week. As for the other part of it, is Rhiannon super busy or something? I know that I'm super busy. I've got a full-time job that this doesn't comprise of. Rhiannon, are you super busy? I'm afraid so, and I'm, I'm afraid it's only got worse since uh, the, the teaching semester, uh, semester started, started yeah. which, which may be different to a lot of our listeners because we're in the Southern Hemisphere, but our semester started in early March, so I don't want to say things will necessarily get more infrequent, but don't hold your breath. Um, we would love to record more, but it does take quite a lot of time. I know it takes a lot of Matt's time editing them afterwards. And I actually think he's being a bit conservative on how long we spend on them. I think we spend about 45 minutes to an hour recording and there's a lot of a lot of dross to cut out, <laughs> which which I'm sure I'm mostly guilty of going along paths, sentences that don't finish like that one um, and repeating myself potentially or not going quite in the order that uh, would make more sense to the listener. So we do try to consider what will be the easiest for you to listen to and we cut out things that don't help with that. You know, there's a lot more detail we could include but I think that would potentially get quite technical, and I'm not sure that everybody wants that. Uh, I'm not giving a lecture for my students, and so we do want it to remain more conversational. We like that aspect of it. All right, so thanks to Fiona Nyes and the many people who have posted those kind of comments along the way. Uh, next and last question comes from Jacob Ferreira, which I believe is a Spanish or Portuguese version of Smith. So shout out to a fellow Smith in Brighton, Michigan. He asks, are there any periods of history you would consider doing or would like to podcast about in the future? Well, ancient Rome is my area of expertise and I wouldn't want to go into areas I know nothing about. But so far, we've basically covered Julius Caesar and the Julio-Claudian emperors. The later emperors are really interesting. So the next dynasty, the Flavians, and the later ones still, uh, which are often called the Antonines, they're fascinating because things really start to change. The, the social um, mores in Rome start to change. The emperors themselves, their roles change. Uh, the role of women becomes different. So there's all kinds of interesting things going on. And uh, I would love to talk about the emperor Hadrian, who in some ways is my favorite emperor. I've actually got a fake Hadrian coin on my key ring <laughs> um, because everything was, or everything we've still got, was startlingly beautiful in the Hadrianic period. So it's a kind of period of high classicism, very beautiful statues, you know, gorgeous sculptures. Everybody looked beautiful. They can't really have been that pretty. Uh, but I do find Hadrian fascinating. And of course, he's the one who built Hadrian's wall 
in northern England, which is actually where I grew up. Um, if, if I could answer that question as well from, from my perspective, um, we've covered quite a lot since the podcast really started in November. Um, so, of course, in the future, uh, if this podcast continues, it would be good to cover the Flavians next and to keep going in that logical progression. I would also have, I've also floated the point to Rhiannon, the, the question mark about going, you know, a bit niche and doing a series just on, say, the Colosseum or about, you know, another series maybe somewhere down the track on life in Pompeii, um, which is, you know, question marks over potential, but, you know, the future is a long time. Um, in the more immediate time, I've got a baby coming, so I'll need to take a break at some point in June, I imagine. Yes, we're an, looking an to the future, not the past. An intermission. There will be an intermission for that very good reason. <laughs> so I'm sure we're all wishing Matt and his wife the best. What I would quite like to cover is some of the people who weren't of the elite. So this podcast is Emperors of Rome, and we know a lot about the emperors because they're written about, and we know a fair amount about the empresses as well, some of whom we're going to cover in special editions. Increasingly, we know more about the ordinary people of Roman culture. So if we take a look at Pompeii at some stage, uh, we'll find out more about them. And, uh, you know, we know about slaves and gladiators and they're all fascinating topics. So I don't want people to think that we only care about the emperors. One of the reasons we're starting with them is they're fascinating characters and we've got lots of information about them. Okay, so thanks to Jacob Ferreira in Brighton, Michigan for that question. Shout out to Brighton, Michigan. That was Dr. Rhiannon Evans, a lecturer in Ancient Mediterranean Studies at La Trobe University, and myself, your friendly neighbourhood podcaster, answering questions from our lovely audience submitted to our Facebook page, which by all means you should come and like. As for this podcast, if you liked it, you can subscribe to it on iTunes. Please feel free to leave a review there and tell your friends about it. You can follow both Rhiannon and myself on Twitter. Rhiannon is at Dr. Rhiannon Evans, and I'm at Nightlight Guy. Tune in for the next episode of Emperors of Rome, in which we continue the story of Nero and take a look at the Great Fire of Rome in 64 CE. Until then, I'm Matt Smith. You've been fantastic, and thanks for listening. <laughs>